Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Kev, and no, I will not take my helmet off, even if I might get dressing all over it. Now, I'm about to dance while you activate that kick-ass theme music. That's right, this is the Geek-Centric Podcast, and today... We're upping the contrast on the x-ray to show the definition in our muscles because we're coming at you with our spoiler-filled review of the HBO Max series, Peacemaker. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, we are a podcast about movies, TV, games, toys and collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Joining me today, first, we have our very own Vigilante. No, he's not crying. He's just doing his face exercises. It's Nate. No, I'm probably I'm probably crying, Kevin. I'm probably that's probably what's right, happening. We'll call it what it is. Be sensitive, <laughs> yeah. man. Be sensitive. There we go. <laughs> and also on the show, we have our very own judo master. The only thing he likes more than watching movies and kicking ass is flaming hot Cheetos and kicking cast. It's J Law. <laughs> I love it. Love I don't it. actually yes, know if you like flaming hot Cheetos. I just had to put it in there. Somewhere. They're too hot. I find they they're too hot. They're they're just they're too, too hot, hot for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also way too tall to be judo man. You're like the opposite <laughs> height, but oh, that's the way it works for me too. <laughs> Listen, Nate. Just be happy I wasn't calling you the Economist, okay? Yeah. Or the cow. <laughs> I thought you were gonna come in with like milking me or something no, to get your never. nectar. I would never take it that far. <laughs> Big boy club forever, bud. Let's go. All right. Well, we've just concluded the first season of HBO's Peacemaker, and given that the show quickly became the most watched streaming series in the world in the last month or so, I think it's safe to say we'll see more misadventures with this ragtag group of rejects in the future. Um, Now, before we break down our thoughts on season one, I want to give a quick synopsis. After first appearing in last summer's The Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, a.k.a. Christopher Smith, John Cena, got his own spin-off show on HBO Max. When we last saw Peacemaker, he was hospitalized after being shot in the throat and having a building fall on him. In the show, he's allowed to avoid jail if he's willing to join a top-secret task force known as Project Butterfly. This leads to an effort to hunt down and destroy a parasitic alien species. There's action, comedy, family heartbreak, and muscles crammed into tidy whities There are deep-throating aliens, betrayal, loyalty, and nectar-secreting space cows. There is sexual innuendo, best friend bird hugs, exploding one-night stands, and more 80s glam rock than even Tommy Lee could handle. Hell, there's even one of the all-time great comic book TV show cameos that we've ever seen. In essence, this has a little bit of everything for everyone. In addition to Cena, Peacemaker stars Jennifer Holland, Danielle Brooks, Freddie Stroma, Chukwudi Iwuji, Steve G, and Robert Patrick. James Gunn wrote all eight episodes of Peacemaker and also directed most of them, delivering a raunchy, violent, and often hilarious take on the superhero genre. Gents, the fate of the world is at stake, so let's waste no more time. What did we think of Peacemaker? Yeah, I, I gotta say, like... I don't think anybody could have told me, even after seeing The Suicide Squad, that I would enjoy a Peacemaker show. I think I think Peacemaker is one of the characters that didn't get the character development over the course of the movie, whereas I think a lot of those other characters did. So for them to sort of end the character where they did and then get us to where we are now with the show... That's a that's a huge massive feat, and I was uh, I'm stoked that we're here. 
I almost think that that was one of the 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 biggest advantages of telling a story like Peacemaker is that there's so little fan expectation around the character that they could really do just about anything they wanted to do with the character. And so that really allowed Gunn to surround him with a lot of very interesting characters that we would grow to love and and want to see, you know, their stories evolve along with Peacemakers. Yeah, I, I think while having Peacemaker at the center of this story, focusing on the team becoming friends keeps the show rooted in a, an ensemble story while connecting back to the titular character of, of Peacemaker and how he's kind of learning to be better through these new relationships. And I think the other thing to sort of focus in on as well is James Gunn has been given the keys to the DCEU kingdom and he can do whatever he wants in this world. And I, I don't think that that's as possible uh, in terms of what he can do with something like Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Where where Marvel kind of has uh, sort of a structure to it. It has these ties, but it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like because the DC movies were such shit like he has the ability to to like get 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 that freedom back and and to make almost make the universe his own the only continuity it's tied to is the suicide squad and its own so for him to be able to like have the keys to just bring in anything he wants from the dc universe and it seems like you know like hbo is totally for it and totally down for it like that's fantastic well and he even has gone on record saying that he enjoyed doing the Suicide Squad more than he has a lot of the, 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 the Guardian stuff because while it was amazing for Marvel to take a chance and let him make the first Guardians movie, it is, like you said, Nate, in such a structured environment where you have to follow rule A, B, C through Z yeah. and really make sure that everything lines up. Yeah, because DC has screwed up so much in the past, it's like they're <laughs> it's almost able to rewrite everything yeah. going forward now. And yeah, I yeah. mean... Even in this last episode, we see they're going to maybe let them play around in, in that proverbial sandbox we talk about a lot and do some stuff with these characters we're not used to seeing. So it's, it is an exciting possibility. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that because DC has dropped the ball, they are basically opening the gates for James Gunn to just play around in their sandbox. And yeah, you're right. Like there, There is a structure to Marvel, but I think that's more about protecting their IP because they have, uh, you know, again, a bigger story to tell. There's there's structure there. Yeah. But DC doesn't have that. DC doesn't have any of that. They don't even have consistent storytelling. But they right. if they bring someone like, like James Gunn into it, yeah. they can have that. And I think, you know, again, as you guys are saying, what excites me is potentially playing in that sandbox and seeing what, what can come out on the other end when he has his hands on those characters. I think we, we're all in agreement that Marvel has done it right. They've been doing it right for almost 15 years. You can't copy that. And so if, if DC now takes more of a, you know how we've been talking about this whole, it's the Star Wars show mentality where they've got a whole bunch of shows and characters are just going to mix and match and come through and, and like just, just, you don't have to have this 10 movie long story to arc that connects everything yeah. But mm -hmm. if, if they're all in the same world and they can hang out with each other every once in a while, that that is what DC needs to do going forward. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that the threat of this series, the, the butterflies, best represent what you're describing. You know, there's no explanation to them. There's no definition to them. They're, they just exist. And, and that kind of was very similar to how Starro existed in the Suicide Squad. He, he was just this big 
alien creatures. So again, James Gunn is just having freedom. He's not really giving much definition to things rather than just saying this is the DC world that he is creating. Um, but getting back to Peacemaker and just how well this story focuses on his trauma and him having to uh, sort of deal with the outcome of the events from the Suicide Squad and, and having killed Rick Flagg, like we see that he, he just he's he's really wearing that guilt. Um, and, you know, and this plus the fact that we meet his father, who, for better or worse, has sort of shaped the personality of of chris smith but hasn't defined him however these new relationships that he is making with this ragtag group does show how he is learning to be better yeah like and i i you know we always talk on the show <laughs> about bookends and yeah the way that they were able to almost bookend sort of the the main reason our our protagonist is doing what he's doing with the main reason our antagonists are doing what they're doing was really cool the the way they brought it back to an oath and initially I was kind of put off by that that sort of fi- those final moments uh, with it but I, I did like it because there's that moment that where he's sitting and he's he's sitting with uh, with Adebayo and there he's just sort of thinking like did I just screw up the whole world and I love the I love how he kind of did and he also didn't at the same time you know what I mean like I I like that vagueness of it. Well, there's that that moral ambiguity to it. It's still shades of gray rather than yeah. there is just pure good and evil in the world. And right, it's it is uh, did he or didn't he actually do the the wrong thing, or was this right to do? And and I love that this character isn't just a right or wrong kind of guy. That simply there are more layers, as we've seen over the course of the show. So for the whole show to sort of reflect that, especially in its conclusion, I thought that was a great call. Really well done. Yeah, I, I think the 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 mirroring between Adebayo and and, and Chris Chris in that moment in the hospital, them kind of realizing that they can define themselves without having their overbearing parents push their thumbs on top of yeah. them. They can be free of them and they can be their own person. So I really think that that was a great way to kind of close out these two characters stories for this season and really sets them up for uh, to be in an interesting place for season two. Well, and, and we've now sort of mentioned a, a few of the, the characters outside of Peacemaker, but why don't we spend a little bit more time? Because there's, there's some great performances. There's some great characters that we've been given here. I mean, I know we were introduced to a few of them in Peacemaker, but only for a very brief time. And so to get to see The Economist and, 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 and uh, Harcourt sort of get more of a definition of who they are and their roles going forward uh you know who stood out for you guys honestly it was it was freddie stroma for me actually uh adrian or vigilante uh who's who's not necessarily in in the suicide squad but it shows up in this show that just he was he was almost to me it started off kind of being like oh is this kind of just like a deadpool thing like, are they just doing another Deadpool sort of character yeah, in this the, universe? He's, based off of, yeah. he's kind of based off that, right? But he's just such, like, the way that he just vies for Chris's friendship is, is just incredible. It's it's so well done. But, like, I got to say, man, the scene where he goes up against Chris's dad and the, the other Nazis in the prison, that was phenomenal. Like, that was, it, it's cool how, like, all of these actors get a chance to show their range. They're not just comedians. Like, I, I really thought he was just going to be jokes. And I will say, not all of his jokes totally landed for me. But I, when he when he had the chance to to bring that out, those acting chops in that scene, I was like, let's go. Like, that was so well done. 
Yeah, it, it was. And I, and I really like your comparison to the Deadpool character in that he has a lot of those same quirks when he's in full confidence mode, but he, he doesn't have this, this sort of fourth wall breaking self-awareness uh, you know, that, that Deadpool has. He, he pretends to be as confident and as self-assured, but you can tell he's really, really struggling to put on that persona. It's but almost that, like if you took it's almost like if you took Deadpool and then like put like a Napoleon Dynamite filter over top of him. Something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Like he kinda has that sort of vibe to him. Yeah. But in a lot of ways he acted as as the younger brother that Chris didn't have, right? And mm, he was emulating yeah. Peacemaker, right? Like I think Vigilante was was very much an emulation of, of Peacemaker. Like have the confidence, have the persona, have the facade that people understand you as Peacemaker or Vigilante. And I think by the end of it, both of these characters sort of lose that. They've sort of accepted that they are who they are. And I think Vigilante's character just adds more depth to Chris really sort of accepting himself while also being a real great source of comedy relief like he really does bounce off of john cena really really well and i mean this guy goes through maybe the biggest shit kicking of any character in the show i mean like he is almost deadpool in that regard nothing seems to bring this down he can take a an explosion to the the chest and and be fine five minutes later a, a bullet to the spine and walk it off like I don't think he has superpowers, but it kind of seems like he does at times. Best moment with him is when he's just full drop trow and you just see his bare ass. He's <laughs> just like, I don't like the cloth touching my like I can't go. I can't pee with my pants yeah. touching my ass. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, so funny. It's so so funny. Yeah. So well yeah. done. Um, um yeah, man. Yeah, I, I, I think I think by the end of this season, like the whole cast entirely was was probably my, one of my favorite parts that came out of this series. I, I just loved their dynamic together. I loved how the series gave each of them a moment to shine and and have their own little like individual character more moments so that we as an audience could appreciate them that much more and understand what sort of life they've led and, and how they have ended up in this situation being a part of this group. Well, and speaking of that, I mean, Huge props to to you know Robert Patrick and and the character of of Augie Smith sort of and the way he lives his life influencing Chris's life, uh, but you know is White Dragon. I mean, we see that he's obviously a technical genius, um, and you know when he's in the suit he he feels very powerful. But we see him get taken down pretty quickly. But as a just as a human being, is he the most evil character? We've seen in a comic book movie ever in a long time. I mean, just as a pure, downright evil person, he is just the worst of the worst. I think Adebayo kind of really speaks to it in in the scene where she um, she kind of you know sort of talks to Chris about his dad just not being a good person and in in any way. And and I think the I think the biggest thing is usually when we see villains kind of like almost like peacemaker right we see them in a way where we're like okay there there there's still light in them in some way or there's still some way for them to to be redeemed i don't think at any point in time you know whether he lived or not um and obviously we might still see more of him going forward that character's not getting redeemed like that character is not redeemable in any way for the type of person that he is um and i think it's interesting that that we've got a show again from James Gunn that is willing to go that distance. Cause I don't think Marvel would. Uh, 
I, I, I think, think they would. With I, that kind I don't, of language especially, I don't think they No, no, they would. won't they won't go that bold. I, I, I totally agree with you there. But I think they'll make the same sort of commentaries in their own way. I think we saw a softer version of a, a story about race being told through, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, you know, very much so. Here it seems very purposeful to have someone so so harsh to the times that we are currently in. Um, it seems very commentary, if you will. And I think even just, you know, when uh, Detective Sophie Sung as as Goff kind of reveals her, her whole intention and wanting to do right by the people of Earth, it's it kind of mirrors that too, right? Just sort of the idea of making a, a, a social commentary on, on the, the state of the world and, and so on. So No, I, I mean, I certainly I certainly see what you're saying in that. Uh, especially with the goth character in in the final episode, they really take a a, a, a stand and make some very big social commentary. Whereas, you know, the character of Augie is downright evil. Nobody can side with him. They sure. did sort of get a little political in that message, a little a little uh, left leaning, a little liberal, if you will. I wonder if that would turn off any um, audience members. Oh, another show's gone PC and woke and talking about the environment and everything like that. You know, I wonder if that'll strike a, a, a negative fine. chord. I think it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I'm fine if it does, but I just, yeah. you know, there are people who, who that, that sort of yeah, that's a make or break. A that's a make or break for a lot of people. I, I definitely agree with you there. Speaking of controversies, um, uh, Nate, you were saying off air uh, before we started recording here that uh, you opened up YouTube at some point today and got a huge spoiler from what was a pretty significant moment uh, from the, the finale. Um, and it's certainly a moment I wanted to talk about. So why don't we start with your sort of uh, uh, grievances with having it spoiled, and then we'll really break down what what that awesome moment was. Well, thankfully, I mean, thankfully it wasn't spoiled for, for me. I think it's a it's a very clear sign that you can't touch the internet uh, unless you've watched all the things you love if you uh, care because, about anything in this world you have yeah. to watch it before you touch the socials it's nuts so it's like yeah this this obviously the main thing we're talking about is the scene uh, at the end of this episode that uh, was fantastic and we'll get into it but just to, just the fact that I can just open YouTube and see that was just unbelievably egregious when it comes to spoilers it's like just learn how to be a better person on the internet please like come yeah on. you, you want to break the spoiler that's fine but don't give it away you know without giving somebody the chance to either click on it or not you know you know because I'll, I'll avoid your channels in the future you know yeah uh, and i'm and i'm very much like a somebody who if you haven't seen something within the first couple days even a week at most then you don't care about it enough, in my opinion, and I am going to talk about it, uh, you know, to some extent. But the morning that something's released and, and it's already out there getting spoiled, that's too soon, even in my opinion. Brutal. Brutal. But let's but talk about that moment. Now let's yeah. spoil this let's moment. Let's it. go. Because yeah. <laughs> they, they tease the Justice League. The Justice League gets mentioned earlier on, and I thought, cool, there's our connection to the Justice League. That was a fun little nod. And then all of a sudden, after our heroes have saved the day, uh, the four heroes appear in, in, in the distance. And and at first, I thought, okay, cool, there's the Justice League. We'll, we'll see their silhouettes, and we'll get a couple cheeky remarks. And then sure enough... Momoa and Ezra Miller are there as Aquaman and Flash dropping f bombs. Uh, what a moment! Yeah, man, it was it was so cool to see. And I, I at first I thought like there's there's no way they got all four of them 
to come in. I didn't think they got any of them based off of when we initially see them. And then the moment that they do bring in Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller was so perfect um, because I think it's such a good way for them to bring them into the world without getting them involved. And then it also just hearing him, hearing Aquaman say, fuck you, Barry. Like that was awesome because it, it fuses this character to this world within Peacemaker, right? It, it, it makes it so that now James Gunn is saying, you know what? I can pull the, the toys that you didn't think I could pull out of the sandbox and play with them as well. And the fact that we have like in-canon confirmation, at least within the Peacemaker world, that Aquaman has sex with fish is uh, pretty fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, again, we were hinting at it before. This moment highlights the fact that if you give James Gunn you know, the keys to your characters, he is going to take them in a bold new direction and really enhance them. And, and you know, it's 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 really interesting to see these characters fit into his world. It makes sense, obviously, picking Flash and Aquaman. They both have movies coming out later this year. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, there was no cyborg and, you know, they kept Superman in the shadows and they also kept Gal Gadot in the shadows. Um, if you are going to bring over characters and somehow fuse a Justice League into this world, I feel like these two characters would be the best starting point. Because as we could see, there was clearly some cameos that didn't happen and some heroes that just weren't there. So in many ways, this gives them an opportunity to reinvent some of those characters and maybe adapt them for James Gunn's world. But yeah, having Flash and Aquaman make an appearance here really does set up some interesting ideas for what the future could hold for James Gunn in DC. But also we know that this serves a promotional purpose as they both have movies coming out this year. Yeah, no. And, and I think we shouldn't be greedy. I think sure. to, to get either any of them was, was a huge moment and, and almost not that the show needed it, but it, it justifies it that much more. It brings it up in the echelon of the importance of DC sort of stories that are being told. And Nate, you touched on it just a bit earlier. I loved your idea that, you, you, you're not about to turn Aquaman into a, a rated R franchise. No. But if you bring him into this world, yeah, he, can, he be. can be. And so I almost hope that Marvel takes notes from this. Wow, DC's going to start teaching Marvel a thing or two. And this is how you could do Deadpool. You could have Deadpool in his own R-rated or you know a bit more adult-themed movie than, than we're used to in, in the MCU. And then when he comes over, he lightens up the language a little bit and and the violence and whatnot you know so but then hopefully it goes the other way too right like how cool could, would it be yeah. to get ant-man swearing every now and then yeah. and, and, uh, and don't saying make, some don't stuff give paul right? rudd the the, the, the potty mouth <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe yeah. not paul rudd but uh, no but, but I, I, I totally agree. right yeah. i think it'd be really cool i think um and i think honestly i think aquaman and the flash are were the the if you, ha if you could only choose the two of them or what, whatever the conversation was they're the perfect ones yeah. because of how comedic they are within their worlds yeah, already, exactly. right? So, yeah, it makes sense. Um, makes sense to bring them yeah, in. Man. Yeah. I know we're kind of going all over the episode, but like that final sequence of them walking in, we get the, the hype, the music, the theme song coming in, the kill scene, and they're so, just yeah, taking out awesome. butterflies left and right yeah. and beheading them. The moment where he, he throws his shield in, or his shield gets knocked in the air and then he shoots it down onto someone, yeah. like, it's so, so cool. incredible. I got to say, though, that shield... That shield looked a little too TV, not enough like 
real movie. Oh, it looked, I thought it was cool. Looking. It looked no, it looked cool, it. but I just it did, didn't it look cheap though too. Like it was a cool idea, it just didn't look. But like, his whole costume looks cheap. Those hats yeah, look cheap. Yeah. All of his hats. His you could literally on on a lot of those like domes that he's got. You could almost see like the line that goes across like the production line yeah, yeah. that we would be used <laughs> on a plastic version of them. Yeah, like yeah. it's. I think it it it's sort of fits within the aesthetic of the show and i think again it's almost like you can get away with sort of being a little not as professional sure um just because that's the vibe of the show even in the costuming even in the world building even in in anything um and you can get away with it and james gunn can get away with it i'm so glad you brought up this scene because uh i know we we briefly mentioned peacemaker in a couple of our um watches on our uh this week in geek episodes uh we didn't get too into it but i did I did say that they there hadn't been enough badass peacemaker action yet, and so they saved it right for this episode 100%. and finally gave it to us in in full book force. Yeah, they booked yeah, the Boba yeah, Fett. Yeah, they saved they saved yeah, all sure. those bullets for the last episode. Um, and so while it isn't a huge grievance of of mine, maybe we will sort of shift into issues we had, and and that was one we saw so much badassery from peacemaker in the in the the Suicide Squad movie. And not enough of it here until this episode. So that was just something that that sort of perturbed me a little bit, even though it was worth the wait in the end. Um, much like the, the main character himself, uh, they are not without their flaws. And so did anybody else uh, have any problems with the show? I think, honestly, I so I didn't really mind the the action aspect to it too much. I think watching the first a couple episodes, I was like kind of like feeling, okay, where where is it? Like, what? why aren't we seeing as much of it? But... The moment I started realizing how character-driven this show is and how much these characters need that time to, 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 to grow and how much we have to really do with them. Because I, I remember saying after the first episode, I kind of thought like, oh, it's just going to focus on, on Peacemaker. We're really not going to develop these other characters, it doesn't feel like. And then they really do. Um, and, and I want to get back to uh, Economos uh, and his, his whole thing um, later. But I really want to quickly just shout out... Um, I didn't find that the humor, the James Gunn humor, the classic James Gunn humor fully worked. And I think that's just his style where you're going to get like three out of four jokes and one of them's really not going to land. Right. Like there were definitely moments like the lines like um, like the fart noises at the beginning of this episode. Yes. was just a little bit too long. I was kind of like, okay, yeah, okay, It was funny. You can can really tell that that as brilliant of a writer as he is, he does have a very juvenile sense of humor at times. And there was, you know, some puking jokes and lots of fart jokes and poop jokes and stuff. And yeah. it's like, okay, one of those every once in a while is fine. But he, he did almost rely on that a little too heavily with the Peacemaker character uh, and Vigilante especially. Uh, and like, that wouldn't, that wouldn't normally, honestly, that wouldn't normally bother me, but it's because of when they happen sure. sometimes. Yeah. That's what also bothered me, like like the fact that Vigilante's like, oh, now's not the time to do your face exercises, bud, or whatever. I was just like, no, like this was this was a vi- the, the, probably one of the most dramatic moments in the show for Chris, biggest moment of of, of development. And yes, I get that you you want to add that levity or, or whatever, but that really didn't work for me. I was just I took it away, and I, I oh, didn't see, I didn't really enjoy. I it. love that moment because. It was in that moment that even Vigilante saw that his hero isn't impervious to the kind of pain and 
and suffering that, that regular people go through. Even he sort of went, oh, he is a, just a regular person in that moment. I thought that's what they were trying to say but there. I, so I, I, I guess. But I they thought didn't it need... made that moment stronger that he realized <laughs> they, they did, that this character was suffering. They didn't need to pull suffering. up another, another like, joke from previous to get that point across. I think they could have still gotten that across without sure. necessarily ruining it. I honestly but, think, yeah. though, that I, I feel like a, a lot of what you're, you're talking about is, is true. But I, I, I anticipate it from James Gunn. Like Kevin said, right. very juvenile mm-hmm. mind frame. He's very jokey, jokey. He has these things. And yeah, he can run long with certain things. But honestly, I have nothing negative to say about this show. Uh, I, I think uh, apart from some like oddly paced episodes that f- seem very filler, the characters were amazing in it. And they and, and it just that's what kept me coming back every week was obviously the larger story but seeing these characters and their dynamics together so and on the on the topic of of some of the jokes one of the jokes and i wanted to get back to this really quick but one of the jokes that i felt was kind of not really hitting for me which was the whole aspect of die beard die beard die beard um the fact that they were able to bring that around in the end and the payoff for that sort of subpar joke really made it worth it in the end that was so incredibly heartbreaking hearing him tell his story in that very moment because he literally had to or he would die. Is that coming from somebody who clearly dyes their beard? I very clearly dye my beard. <laughs> exactly. How do you know? Oh, man, you're letting but, everyone know? But it looks good. You definitely get the Pantene. You, you spend the, the extra few bucks for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will say um, I was a little worried when they revealed what the, the big threat was going to be and I thought, oh, no, a bunch of swarming insects and... And and you you can even tie that into the the reveal of the cow, and I'm thinking, oh, this is this is very James Gunn reliving his Slither days. Yeah, um, yeah, he likes creatures. But it didn't bug me. It didn't come off no. as cheap. It didn't come off as corny. It actually worked, worked. somehow. Yeah. Like that's how good this guy is that yeah. he made that he, not feel like a cheap CW show um, sort of threat. This was a big time threat that worked very much like a Starro. He somehow yeah, exactly. manages to make it work. And he he doesn't he does no justification. There's no origin story to these creatures. There's no there's no need to. It's again, this is where he is with this his whole setup for the DC world that he's telling. It's just there. That's that's what's in the world. He'll give a definition if he needs to, but at the same time he doesn't. It's why things like those those Batman and, and Aquaman jokes and all these things sort of live in it in the in the series is because it's part of the world, right? It's it's part of the world that he's that he's playing in. So yeah, I think uh coming back around with Economist's you know, joke and, and really understanding how, you know, again, this is another part of Chris kind of learning someone else's feelings and trying to understand, you know, compassion and empathy. Um, and I think, you know, in that moment, it's it, he, he feels shameful for being a bully. And, and also that everyone else recognizes that he was pretty harsh on him. Well, yeah. And like that was going to be a complaint that I had of the show is that Chris's character wasn't learning enough from things going on around him. I mean, he has that moment with Eagly, and he's he's at his most desperate, and then he's still making jokes about banging fat, ugly chicks. And it's like, come on, the character's <laughs> got to be past this by now. And so I was worried that they weren't ever going to get to it. And then, sure enough, in this episode, you could he didn't have to say but, anything. Yeah. It was in his eyes. It was more great acting from John Cena. You could see the character l- actually learning something from what was going on there. For sure. But- and we've said it, we've said it on other uh, podcasts, but I wanted to just quickly say it on the, this one, the one that really matters for it is I think all of us sort of came around to John Cena's ability, or maybe I guess just I'll speak for myself, speak for yourself, but yeah. John Cena's ability to act yeah. in general and not just be a big doofus, doofus but yeah. to actually act 
was you definitely see it in in the in the penultimate episode, and you do definitely see it in this one. Um, and yeah, man, it was phenomenal. And I also I also want to just quickly shout out D. Bradley Baker, uh, voice of the, all the clones on the Bad Batch and Clone Wars. Uh, he did a great job as Eagly. I thought was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the um, the idea of Chris's bro dude personality is definitely an extension of uh, it's, it's a byproduct of his father. Um, and I think that that's what we really get to see. And he is already kind of having his own opinions about what his father's opinions are. And we see that so, so prevalent right up until, you know, inevitably he, he kills him. Um, it's, it's really, it's really fun to see how he's kind of become a better person through this process, even if it's just a little bit, right? Like he's, he's learned from his relationships with these, with these, this sort of ragtag group of characters and and has come out i think better for it so there was a bit of redemption in this for for him for the character right well and speaking of redemption if you're a musical artist in the world that feels like your time has passed and your music is no longer relevant or nobody knows who you are just give it a few years james gunn will plop (laughs) it into his soundtrack and you will see a career revival 30 years down the road. I mean, this show will do for glam rock, heavy metal, uh, what uh, Guardians did for obscure and lost 70s gems. I mean, he's done it again with a different genre. It's unbelievable the way this guy plays with music. Yeah, man. I mean, literally that theme song we've already mentioned, like, I can't get it out of my head. I've, I want to learn the, the dance. Uga Chaka, like, right? <laughs> it's so, so good. Yeah, it's one of those defining filmmaking points for James Gunn where it's like the series is built around the music. And it just adds so many different layers to the, the character of Chris and his sort of, again, his bro dude sort of style of persona. So, uh, yeah, I think it was a, the perfect choice of music for the series. Cool, man. And, and speaking of layers, I think such a layered character uh, from Chakuri Iwuji, uh, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, Clemson Mern, um, I just thought was Man. was really awesome. Yeah. There was a, a little bit of, I mean, I, it's it's one of those things where I like to think that I'm, I'm really smart and I'm like, oh, I saw it ahead of time. But it's like when you see it an episode ahead of time, it doesn't really <laughs> mean much. Um, but kind of seeing his his transition into being a defective uh, butterfly. But then but then I, I did think at first I was like, well, they've just killed him off like that. Like, what the heck? Like, but the way that they bring in Jennifer Holland as Amelia Harcourt as the new leader, so um, I think was it was really a great payoff for that and they had to build up Mern as this character that you kind of did want to root for uh in this in his final minutes in order to give us the payoff of of Harcourt and uh and it was fantastic. Yeah. Terrific point. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this show just continued to surprise as it went along. Every time you thought, "Oh, this isn't going to work or this isn't a thread that's paying off or why was this decision made?" Almost every single one of those decisions by the end of the show really does seem to to have meaning and a purpose that that enriched the overall experience. Uh, so why don't we take this time to sort of give our final thoughts on uh, Peacemaker, um, you know, uh, maybe throw in a few points that were missed along the way, and uh, we'll give our final scores. Uh, today we're going to be doing it out of five shiny metal helmets that look like a toilet seat. I mean, I, I can't say this enough. Peacemaker was not at the top of my list for being one of my favorite shows 
of 2022, uh, honestly, based off a lot of the shows that we're going to be getting. Um, and I don't even know if if it did, if we really were talking about it uh, when we were talking about like what we would anticipate would be uh, one of our, our tops. But the way that James Gunn has taken this character, molded him into something so phenomenal, but then given us this incredible cast of people who also experienced so much growth and in, in such a like a short period of time too. Like it's not that's not that many episodes. Eight episodes is not a, a ton of episodes to do that with. Um I just think it's super impressive and I kind of we were talking about the idea of like Matt if Matt Reeves Batman is really good, then just make Matt Reeves and James Gunn the the Dave Filoni and the <laughs> The, the John Favreau of the DCEU. I, I don't um, I, I would rather lot, James Gunn than Matt Reeves, in all honesty. Just but, James Gunn yeah. on his own. Okay, perfect. Well, listen, get him to do all of it because, yeah, this show is honestly, I can't, it's, there's so little that I can think of that I, I didn't enjoy. Um, so, yeah, man, I 100% uh, recommend that everyone watch this show if you haven't. I mean, I guess you have by now if you're listening to this, but um, I, I'm stoked for a season two. Um, yeah, man, five out of five. Uh, helmets that look like toilet bowls. Is that what we were saying? <laughs> that is close enough. You got Perfect. the point. <laughs> Just what about yourself? Yeah, um, I love this show. As I've already said, the series balances the action, comedy, and drama so flawlessly. You know, it just proves again that James Gunn is such an incredible storyteller, apart from just being a filmmaker, but he's a fantastic storyteller. Uh, and the writing and directing throughout was, was very consistent. And again, like I mentioned, there were some oddly paced episodes, but, you know, it never loses its focus and really sticks to the heart of of the show through its characters. It, the series just does such a great job of balancing their stories and, and making them relevant while also aligning them back to Peacemaker's own journey. Um, and like I said before, like I think the series sets is set out to do a hero's journey with a very flawed character at the core of it. And while we see Peacemaker very much believes that what he's doing is for good. Throughout the series, it becomes clear that he doesn't really believe that. And by the end of it, he accepts that. In many ways, you know, Chris is trying to make peace with the, the, with the fact that he killed Rick Flagg, a person who really did stand for peace and he knew he was wrong. And, you know, again, just allowing him to accept that and kind of embrace that really does uh, show his, his growth. That, on top of the sort of broken relationship that he has with his father that is going to be a real great source of exploration in season two because I found it interesting the first time in in this episode when he is approached from this father's ghost he immediately reacts and kills him at the, however at right. the end here he sits with him and I think that this is going to be him having to live with his acceptance of the fact that he killed his father and that very much sets up uh, an interesting journey for for Chris as Peacemaker in, in season two. Um, you know, the series delivered on everything I really, really wanted. I have nothing negative to, to say. I loved it. I can't wait for season two. And I love that we got this sort of nonchalant cameo at the end. It just really shows, you know, um, if James Gunn could be at the helm of the DC universe, uh, there's a lot of cool things that he could do with it. There's just a ton of of great things. So yeah, I'm with Nate. Uh, strong season one, five out of five shiny metal helmets that look like toilet seats. Nailed it. Yeah, for for myself, um, you know, Nate, uh, unlike you, I guess, uh, I was looking forward to a Peacemaker show. Peacemaker was perhaps the one character from the movie that I, I was interested in seeing more of a mm -hmm. story 
from, especially with the way the character ends in, in the Suicide Squad movie. And so then the show started, and I was a little a little let down at first. I, I didn't like the direction that they were necessarily taking the character or even the story. I thought it might have been a, a little bit more serious or a little bit more... I'm not even sure what I was expecting, but it certainly wasn't this show. But by about the third episode, I, I sort of got the vision they were going for and really came around to it and, and really just grew to love the character and the, and the arc that he was on and, and really, really enjoyed the, the characters that he was surrounded by that helped both himself go on this journey, but also he sort of helped them go on their yes. journey as well. Yeah. And, and as dysfunctional a team as they really were in the beginning – for them to have all come together in the way that they did in the end, the show finally climaxed in in the best action we saw in the whole series and, and the kind of action that I thought the movie itself gave us a lot of. And so it was it was lacking for me. But then the payoff made it all worth it. Uh, that that that, uh, you know, uh, Justice League cameo we talked about was was such a huge moment for for the potential of DC shows going forward. I really think that bumps it up a notch in terms of these shows matter and they're relevant and they're going to give great character stories, but also be a significant part of these stories going forward. And so in every regard, I think the show did what it was meant to do and exceeded at every, at every turn. I mean, just look at the positive reaction people have to it. Not only is it the most watched streaming show in the world right now, but the review, 96% on Rotten Tomato, Unreal. an 8.5 on IMDb, which is, which is a tough uh, you know, user score to crack. I mean, I think people are really embracing this, and this is a huge win for DC going forward. And if anything has got me more excited about what we might see in the future, uh, especially if we see James Gunn attached to the projects moving forward in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so for that reason, I'm giving this probably the highest score I've ever given a DC project uh and i'm going to give this a 4.6 out of five shiny metal helmets that look like a toilet seat um but before we wrap um let's maybe look ahead to the future um what do we see going forward for these characters you know at the end of the episode uh we get a nice sort of montage of where all these characters are left uh and so what like have we has it been confirmed that there's a season two correct yes it was confirmed okay perfect okay perfect so where do we think we go with these characters moving forward. I was kind of hinting at it before where I was saying I'm really interested in seeing part two of of Chris's journey now being haunted by the spirit of his father that he killed. I think that that sets up some really interesting uh, dynamics and especially the fact that he didn't attack him. He didn't try to go and kill him again. He just sat there. Um, And I think, again, that just shows that season two is going to show Chris dealing with accepting the fact that is he killed his father. Uh, But I also really liked this sort of very uh, non-romantic moment between Harcourt and and, uh, Chris in the hospital. Um, You know, I'm happy it wasn't overly romantic. I was I was I was happy to see that it was more of like a am here for you moment. And it just leaves the opportunity for that story to be explored if, if they do pursue romantic endeavors rather than just trying to be like, you know, put a put a kiss on it. Right. So. Uh, so they got to be friends first. Yeah. They got to be friends first. Yeah, for sure. Yes, yeah. And they weren't friends yet. They developed that trust and, and care for each exactly. other. But yeah, yeah, I like that. I like the way you phrased that, Nate. Yeah. I also um, like in terms of seeing Chris on the porch. With his dad, who obviously is going to be like his da- his dark passenger, like akin to Dexter, right? Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see if they do utilize him maybe a little bit more. 
Um, I, I don't think they can redeem Augie, as I was saying, as much as they can have Chris grow past him yeah, even more. Exactly. I think I think it's interesting. A lot of shows would sort of just say, you killed him. That's the end of the that that arc. But but this show chooses to go further than that and say, no, 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 that wasn't the end. That was a step. Yeah. In the same way as and you brought this up earlier, Justin, out of bio revealing Task Force Task Force X to the world. Right. And ousting her mom, Amanda Waller, obviously that's going to be having huge repercussions for her character. So I hope we get to see a lot more of Viola Davis in season two. Um, And I think that would be, again, just sort of another step in in that same arc for for Adebayo's character. I think it would be really cool to see them continue mirroring these characters moving forward. Because, again, they, they couldn't be more different. Uh, in in terms of where they start. So to see them sort of coming together closer and closer is really cool. And now clearly a lot of the characters have individual journeys that we're going to sort of watch them go on. Um, But will the band get back together? Will we see them fighting side by side again and and conquering the next evil to come around? I I hope so. I, I, I definitely think that it would be silly not to. I definitely love how you see Economos, you know, sitting down at like a desk, you know, and he has that picture. And I think that's just a reminder that like we're going to see potentially those those times happen again because they left an everlasting impression on him and everyone else that was a part of it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm 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 hoping what will be interesting is we don't know what an inevitable threat would be. Right. And I think that that's what's really interesting. There's just no set of a threat, but there is a part two to the character's journeys. If that makes sense, there there seems to be a setup for the characters' journeys rather than any sort of threat. So we kind of got a little bit of a threat with Judo Master yeah. showing up at the at the farm, seeing all the dead bodies. I like how he still chooses to continue to eat his hot Cheetos. He's got to eat his Cheetos, right? The um, only time he puts it down is to kick ass, and then he's right it. back to the bag. But he, I think, there's a little bit more that we could get from uh, that character, and I really am interested to see. I still think that we're he's going to join he's going to join our our little group uh, of 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 combat fighters here. I'm excited to see if he ever talks. Um, but I mean, it is interesting that he does in talk. the opening credits does he's he sitting on his shoulders. You know, yeah. he's sitting on Peacemaker's shoulders, and so I thought that was an inevitable turn that he would sort of join up with them. I mean, but how much of a threat is he really? We saw individual members of our group take him down on two or three separate occasions. Yeah already in this series right yeah. so unless he teams up with another group that the that then this that you know the the project butterfly group has to take down i couldn't see judo master being a huge threat just on his own for a second i totally thought that um hardcore that's how they were going to continue her character was that Goff was going to become yeah hardcore and i was really worried about that because i'm like that would almost be worse than her being dead yeah. would be like she's dead but she's not dead like um, I'm glad they didn't go that route, but it really, like, they really made you think, oh, shoot, that's that's the way it's going to go, and now yeah. she's going to, that's how they're going to continue Goff's character. But I also really thought it was interesting how that character of Goff being the butterfly, like, how much reserve fluid does Chris have for the future? Like, how does that work? Are they going to maybe get Goff into another human in order to keep that character living? Um, and maybe that become maybe Goff becomes a, a really big integral part of this this group which is crazy to think that that could happen but the fact that like is is Goff just staying with Chris because of the fluid or is there like you'd have to imagine like Goff hates 
Chris. Yeah, I was a little confused by that moment that it seemed to be very amicable, you know, maybe a little tense and a little awkward, but they, they seem to be co coexisting and after everything that just happened. Yeah, that whole yeah. scene felt like it was all about making peace. You know, you have right? you have, you know, Chris sitting there making peace with the fact that it's the spirit of his father's there. You have Goff there, right? Like, I, I and and it, obviously very very accepting of the situation. I think maybe to to the point of what you were calling out, Nate. I, I could see, I could see potentially a, as a sidekick buddy, another one, another sidekick yeah. buddy that kind of like goes into people, does things, and then leaves. You know what I mean? And is actually, or maybe that's or maybe Judo Master and Goff fuse, and that's how we get more. More, I guess, characterization out of Judo, Judo Master Goff. than what we got in this season. Yeah. Judo Goff. Yeah. <laughs> Judo Butterfly. <laughs> butterfly Master. Uh, totally. There we go. And and one last question, guys, because I know, I know we've briefly touched upon it, but James Gunn uh, was recently quoted as saying that he can't say much about the, the next spinoff from the Suicide Squad, but uh, that he can say it'll be less of a comedy, a bit of a different genre than, than what we got with uh, Peacemaker. Do we have any any new updated predictions about who it might be about? I think it would be far-fetched, though, if anything involved the, the Justice League team. We, when, we, when we did talk about it previously, I think we were we were kind of agreeing that it would potentially be um, another character that we just don't know, right? Like that, that maybe didn't get fully flushed out or explored. Or, yeah, or one that, that got mentioned, right? Like sure. we got Batmite mentioned. We got, um, I mean, we got Kite Man. Yep mentioned right could we see um the spinoff sort of fall into you know being part of this universe right we we kind of think kind of limiting our thoughts to only being other characters from the suicide squad like it might not necessarily be one of them right right? i do like that kite man idea because clearly kite man has a vendetta against chris for having locked him up so if kite man escapes we get a season with him where it's more, yeah, like the opposite side of, of trying to fight for peace and good. And then that can tie into a combination with season two of Peacemaker or, or something like that. And how cool would it be to have a, 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 you know, a season, maybe a season three of Peacemaker where we then have these two shows that we've been following come together and almost in a way, and I, I say this every single time, but I love how Game of Thrones does the thing where I hate a character and then I love them by the end of their season. And so if you can give us two characters that are, are you know, about to clash, but we don't want either of them to win, I think that could be really compelling. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, uh, watch them give us a show about a character and then put Peacemaker in it for a majority of the time rather than the character that the show's about, like Book of Boba Fett. So, you know, <laughs> it could definitely find its way to doing that. But I don't know. I, I think that that's a really interesting theory, though. Kite Man would be, would be dope. That would be an interesting one. Well, I'm still going with Idris, Idris Elba getting a blood sports show, exploring the relationship with his daughter a bit more. And, and that, that's, that's what I'm, I'm pinning my hopes on. Sure. Uh, I could see that having a bit more of a serious tone. but And I think there would be a huge coup to get Idris Elba onto a, a television series. So... Who knows? Only the future will tell. But uh, there you have it. Another review is in the books. Thanks for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. Or we might have to activate the Scabies for All helmet. We want to know, <laughs> did this bring peace to your feelings towards the future of the DCEU? What are you hoping for from Season 2 of Peacemaker? And what will the next Suicide Squad spinoff be? Let us know at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. 
Or if that's like listening to an old rock and roll cassette tape, hit us up on Twitter at GeekcentricYT and on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. And check us out on the channel. We have a ton of other content, including our most recent watch club for Book of Boba Fett, our review of the Netflix series Cuphead, and of course, our weekly episodes of This Week in Geek, which cover all of the latest news and trailers in the Geekiverse. Justin and Nate and everyone listening, please don't have sex with fish. And until next time, love ya. Get home safe, guys. Peace, maker. Oh.